0: We did this once before in our country around railroads, huge glut of railroad stocks back in the 1800s. And by doing that, by crazily overfunding railroad stocks, we accidentally wired America together with railroad lines. But when we overfunded the world with fiber optic cable, we basically created a world not where we could ride for free only, but where India and Russia and China and Brazil could all ride for free with their digital content. This was a huge flattening force. Now, the third flattener uh, has no date. It's what I call the workflow revolution. The workflow revolution uh, was a revolution in software. Happened in the mid-1990s, basically. And it really revolved around a set of transmission protocols. The alphabet soup called HTML and HTTP and TCP-IP and XML and SOAP and AJAX. You don't need to know what any of this alphabet soup stands for. All you need to know is this, what all these transmission protocols did was make everyone's computer and software interoperable. You don't remember, because you weren't conscious yet, what a revolution that was. You see, at, at your university, before the workflow revolution, the, um, one day, the uh, admissions department got computers and software, and the um, bookkeeping department got computers and software. It was a very exciting day at your university. Down in bookkeeping, they got rid of the abacus and adding machine they had down there, and in admissions, they, they got rid of all the paper files. There was just one, one problem. The bookkeeping department got computers and software by Microsoft, and um, down in uh, uh, admissions, they got um, SAP. And there was just this little problem, they didn't connect. So whenever one of your parents didn't pay their tuition, someone from bookkeeping had to walk over to someone in admissions with a piece of paper. So each one was individually more productive, but they actually couldn't connect. Thanks to something called the workflow revolution, Basically, we created the transmission protocols that made everyone's computer and software interoperable. That was a huge revolution. What it meant was you could sit anywhere in the world and collaborate with anyone else anywhere else in the world without having to think for one second what computer and software am I on, what computer and software is she on. Now, let's put these first three flatteners together. First, we became authors of our own content in digital form. Then we could send our digital content anywhere in the world for free. And lastly, we could collaborate with anyone anywhere on their digital content. Those three flatteners were what I call the genesis moment of the flat world. They created a crude platform, a crude global platform for multiple forms of collaboration. Suddenly more people could collaborate with more other people on more different things in more different ways for less money than ever before. Now, the next six flatteners were the six new forms of collaboration that immediately sprung off this platform and flattened the world even more. The first, of course, was outsourcing. Outsourcing was just a new form of collaboration made possible by this platform. Now your university, if it wants, can outsource its bookkeeping department to North Dakota, North Bangalore, or North Washington. It doesn't matter. On this platform, either option is equally easy outsourcing, new form of collaboration. Second new form of collaboration was offshoring. Offshoring is where I take my whole factory from Canton, Ohio, and move it to Canton, China, and integrate it into my global production chain. Offshoring takes a whole new leap forward on this new platform. Third new form of collaboration I consider the most revolutionary, and we're just scratching the surface of it, is something called uploading, a term coined by Kevin Kelly from Wired. Yeah, see, when the world was round, you downloaded. But when the world is flat, you upload. You upload as an individual. Now, uploading comes in many forms. One of the earliest, most prominent forms of this was open source software. A bunch of geeks sitting at home writing their own operating system, not waiting to download their software They are, or their operating system. They are uploading Linux. They're writing their own operating system. Why do they do that? Some do it because they hate Microsoft. I don't, but they do. Some do it because they love the pure, peer-reviewed science of it. Look at this new algorithm I came up with. You've got to try this. This is so cool. But for whatever reason they're doing it, it's incredibly revolutionary. How would you like to be Microsoft? You build up a huge cash hoard based on Windows and Word, and suddenly you wake up one morning and some guy's writing Linux, distributing it around the world for free, uploading it, your biggest competitor is selling their product for free. It's hard to beat free. (laughs) Now uploading, we know, comes in many other forms. Blogging is one of the most popular forms of uploading content and opinion. In the old days, you wanted an opinion on foreign policy. You had to to download a fuddy-duddy like James Reston or Tom Friedman or Abe Rosenthal or whoever. Oh, not anymore now. When I want to know what's going on in Iraq, I go to Iraqi bloggers. I want to know what people are uploading. YouTube, iPod, podcasting, these are all forms of uploading. These are revolutionary forms of individual creativity where individuals are able to create content and globalize it. And then, of course... There's the mother of all uploading, Wikipedia. The people are writing their own encyclopedia. Now, I remember growing up in Minnesota when the Encyclopedia Britannica salesman came to our house with all those books and plop them down in the living room. And it was so exciting. I remember cracking them open, reading the World War II section. And he'd come back every few years with some updated books. And very exciting. Then we got Microsoft Encarta you could actually download your own encyclopedia. It came with Windows. And then along came Wikipedia, the people writing and uploading their own encyclopedia. You know how many entries there are in in Carta 2000? I believe it's 38,000. Wow. 38,000 entries in an encyclopedia you can download. You know how many entries there are in Wikipedia today? About 1.2 million, 300... 374,000, and in another minute, they'll be 375. Now, it's not perfect. Oh, uh, you only have to be a subject of Wikipedia to know how imperfect it is, (laughs) Um, and um, that the network isn't all correcting. Um, But uh, it's got its problems, but nevertheless, it is here. IBM today has a company officer whose only job is to monitor the IBM references in Wikipedia. Because IBM has concluded more of you will learn about IBM from what you read in Wikipedia than from any other source, uploading whole new form of collaboration. Fourth new form of collaboration is supply chaining. That's what Walmart does. Only Walmart does it down to the last atom of efficiency. You take an item off the shelf of a Walmart and a, in Bethesda and another item, another copy of that item is immediately made in Shenzhen, China and sent back up the supply chain. If Walmart were a country, it would be China's eighth largest trading partner today ahead of Russia, Australia, and Canada. We've never seen a supply chain this efficient. A friend of mine, Yossi Sheffi, teaches supply chain logistics at MIT, and Yossi likes to say, Tom, uh, making stuff? Making stuff? Oh, hell, that's so overrated. Supply chain, now that's really hard. Think about it, Walmart is the biggest retailer in the world, and it does not make a single thing. It makes a supply chain that gets single things from 75,000 different suppliers around the world to your neighborhood Walmart at everyday low prices. (laughs) This is a huge flattening force. Fifth new form of collaboration I call insourcing. Insourcing is what UPS does. You know those people in the funny brown trucks and the funny brown shorts? If you think all they're doing is delivering packages, you're not paying attention. They do something I call insourcing. They come into your company right up to your neck, right up to headquarters, and they take over your entire internal logistics operation. Best example I can give is, say you have a, uh, say you have a Toshiba laptop, and it breaks one day. You turn it over, the thing says, call 1-800-HELP. You call 1-800-HELP, and the sweet Indian voice on the other end of the line, says, take your Toshiba laptop to your local UPS store. They'll ship it to us. We'll have it back to you fixed in 72 hours. Here's what you don't know. Your Toshiba laptop actually goes from that UPS store to Louisville Airport in Louisville, Kentucky, where in an airline hangar at Louisville Airport, your Toshiba laptop is repaired by a UPS employee in funny brown shorts. Sorry to tell you, but Toshiba is not interested in your laptop. They have insourced all of that to UPS. Go to Nike.com to get the kids a new pair of sneakers. Guess who's on the other side of the screen? It's actually a UPS employee. They're taking your order. They're picking and packing the shoes from a Nike warehouse. They manage. They're shipping them to you. They're collecting the money. See the Papa John's pizza truck go by? Guess who's driving? Someone in funny brown shorts, because Papa John's Pizza has insourced the delivery of their dough at the precise hour every day to your local Papa John's Pizza outlet to UPS. This is a huge new form of collaboration. It's going on behind the scenes. There are thousands of companies today that no longer touch their products anymore. They have all been insourced to people in funny brown shorts. (laughs) Uh, Sixth new form of collaboration I simply call informing. Informing is what Google does. It empowers and enables individuals to inform themselves, I don't have to tell you, at a depth and breadth unknown in human history. Now, just to recap, we have the first three. They created this platform for multiple forms of collaboration. Then we have the six new forms of collaboration, um, outsourcing, offshoring, uploading, supply chaining, informing, insourcing. That's three plus six is nine. I said there were ten. What's the tenth? The tenth I simply call the steroids. The steroids are wireless technology, voice over the Internet, and file sharing. And what these steroids are doing is turbocharging all these new forms of collaboration, so now I can do anyone from anywhere with any device totally mobily. Let me wrap it all up um, into, uh, into a fine bow, if I could. What basically happened around the year 2000 that made what I call the world flat, and by flat I do not mean equal, I mean created a platform that was equalizing, that was giving more people the power as individuals to compete, connect, and collaborate. What happened to produce that was that all 10 of these flatteners, I would argue, started to converge right around the year 2000. And the complementarities between them all started to work together. So the informing helped the outsourcing, the outsourcing helped the offshoring, the offshoring helped the supply chaining. They all started to work together. And as they did, they melded, into what I would call a global web-enabled platform for multiple forms of sharing knowledge, work, entertainment, innovation, entrepreneurship, and unfortunately, also terrorism. Because when the world is flat for Walmart, it's also flat for Al-Qaeda. What happened was all 10 of these flatteners melded into this global web-enabled platform for multiple forms of sharing knowledge, work, entertainment, education, innovation, and unfortunately also terrorism. That platform, I would argue, is at the center of the world today. We're going from a world where value tended to be created in vertical silos of command and control, to a world where value will be increasingly created on this platform by who you connect and collaborate with. We're going from vertical to horizontal. I believe, in time, this will be seen as the mother of all inflection points. This move from vertical to horizontal is going to change everything. It is, in my view, bigger, relatively, than Gutenberg's invention of the printing press. It is going to change everything. Now, there's one iron rule, I would argue, on this platform. And the iron rule is this. When the world is flat, whatever can be done will be done. Whatever can be done will be done. The only question is, will it be done by you or to you? Just don't think it won't be done. When the world is this flat, whatever can be done will be done. The only question is will it be done by you or to you? Now what I see in the world today are incredible mix em combinations of companies that people are putting together on their own as individuals, understanding this iron rule. My wife and I were in Peru a year ago. We had an eco tour and we had a wonderful eco tour guide and one day we were talking you know, about my, my, my arguments, and he said to me, you know, Tom, a friend of mine has just started a, a company selling Peruvian dishware on the internet from a village near Cusco. Wonderful, the world is flat. But then he added this, he's looking in to see whether he can get his dishes made cheaper in China. <laughs> Why not? If it can be done, it will be done. And he was gonna do it before the villager does it next to him.